Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In our previous lesson, we stopped as we were considering the verses assigned to Article 3 of Chapter 31 of the Westminster Confession. Our time expired before we could study Matthew 18, verses 17 through 20. Let us study this passage and see if it supports the idea of synods or councils that are outside the congregation of the Lord. To better set the passage in the context, let us begin with verse 15. Moreover, If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Obviously, this passage refers to a congregational setting. To deny this is to deny all reason and general understanding. As noted in a previous podcast, The congregation at Corinth was rebuked for going to the civil authorities regarding differences between members and not settling that matter within the congregation. 1 Corinthians 6, verses verses 1 through 6. Paul put the matter before the saints at Corinth with a question. Quote, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. Notice that the verse points out that the brethren are those among you, that is, among the congregation at Corinth. Therefore, to assume that the Holy Spirit would have inspired Paul to teach the saints at Corinth differently from what Matthew records of the words of the Lord Jesus would be a dichotomy of the unity of scriptures. Our Lord taught that if one is offended, then he is to go to the offender and seek reconciliation. However, if reconciliation was not achieved, the offended party is to take one or two others. But if there was still no resolution, it should be reported to the congregation. The idea that an independent synod or council outside the congregation is involved is not consistent with the context. Article 4 of the Westminster Confession 
does affirm that, quote, all synods or councils, whether general or particular, end quote, are to be, quote, used as a help, end quote, to, quote, the rule of faith or practice, end quote. The scriptural references supplied here are Ephesians 2.20, Acts 17.11, 1 Corinthians 2.5, and 2 Corinthians 1.24. I am at a, at a loss as to why Acts 17.11 was referenced to support any kind of senate or council of ecclesiastical government in the New Testament assembly. Paul and Silas were sent by the saints at Thessalonica to Berea. In Berea, they went into the synagogue, as was their custom, and preached the gospel. The text says, quote, These were nor more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. End of quote. Who were the these in Berea? They were Jews in the synagogue. A New Testament congregation was not in existence at Berea at that time. Surely no one would suggest that Jews in a synagogue have any authority to form a synod or council to rule over or instruct a New Testament, a New Testament assembly. While it is true that all Christians, even an entire congregation, should search the scriptures and receive the truth of the gospel as did those Berean Jews, but this passage of the scriptures in no way teaches anything about a synod or council as advocated by the Protestants. Since the other three passages are related to the work of the apostles relative to the New Testament assembly, we shall look at them together. Ephesians 2.20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. 1 Corinthians 2.5 states, That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And then 2 Corinthians 1.24 reads, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. It goes without saying that the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles were foundation were the foundation of structure and formation of the New Testament congregation. In fact, the first congregation was comprised of apostles and those who accompanied them with the Lord. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 22, quoted Psalm 22:22, which declares that our Lord sang in the midst of the congregation. The only place recorded in the scriptures where Jesus sang was the night he instituted the Lord's Supper, Matthew 26, 30. 
equally, when the 3,000 were converted on the day of Pentecost, it says that they were added to the congregation, Acts 2.41. Therefore, therefore, not only was the congregation in existence prior to Pentecost, but it was in existence that night in the upper room. The apostles were indeed essential, and the first gifts to the household of faith, 1 Corinthians 12:28. But they did not lord it over any assembly. As Paul so elegantly said to Corinth in the two passages quoted above, he, along with the other apostles, ministered so that their faith would be in the power of God and not in the wisdom of men, and that and that they, Paul and other apostles and elders, would not have dominion over their faith, but were their helpers. The idea behind the word helper is that of a fellow laborer. These passages do not give any indication of a synod, council, council or any kind of assembly that is separate from that of the local church the congregation of God. These passages do not teach that there is some ecclesiastical hierarchy ruling over individual congregations. From the Westminster Confession under the form of Presbyterial Church Government, that is an added document that was given with the Confession, it is stated, quote, The Scripture doth hold forth that many particular congregations may be under one presbyterial government, end of quote. It further asserts that this proposition is proved by various instances. The first assertion for proof of this is that the Church of Jerusalem consisted of more congregations than one, and all these congregations were under one Presbyterial government. End quote. We must remember that the English word church is not a translation of the Greek word ecclesia. When Jesus used the Greek word ecclesia in Matthew 16, 18, he did not stop and say that he was meaning something different from the common usage, meaning, and understanding of the day. The English word church is derived from the Greek word for the house of the Lord. And King James gave certain rules to prevent ecclesia being translated congregation. Therefore, to say that the church of Jerusalem consisted of more congregations than one, is to say that the congregation of Jerusalem consisted of more congregations than one. This is confusion, to say the least, and utterly nonsense, to say the most. However, the writer gives various passages to support this, or the writers, that is, the writers of uh, the uh, Westminster Confession and the form of Presbyterian church government. 
The writers give various passages to support this, but one has to assume the premise because no verse plainly supports their position. They maintain that because believers were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria under Paul's persecution, Acts 8.1, that Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples in Acts 1.15, that 3,000 were added on the day of Pentecost and they continued daily in the temple and from house to house afterwards, Acts 2.41 and verses 46 through 47. That 5,000 were added later, Acts 4.4, including men, women, Acts 6.14, and a number of disciples, along with, quote, a great company of priests were obedient to the faith, Acts 6.1-7. In other words, they maintain all of this, that all of this supports more than one congregation at Jerusalem. But oddly, the scriptures declare only one congregation. Then Acts 9.31 is supplied where years later that Paul was sent to Tarsus and says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. However, this passage, te- passage teaches the opposite of the confession's premise because the region is not limited to Jerusalem. It says the churches, congregations throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. To affirm that because there were congregations throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, indicates they were under or comprised the congregation at Jerusalem is mere assumption and reading into the scriptures. Then Acts 21.20 is added in conjunction with Acts 9.31 as further support that the church of Jerusalem consisted of multiple congregations. Notice they say the church of Jerusalem consisted of multiple congregations. They make a distinction between church and congregation. When James and the other elders said to Paul that many thousands of Jews there are which believe, etc., this does not apply many congregations were under one so-called church. The second premise to support the Protestants' belief that the Church of Jerusalem consisted of multiple congregations is that there were many apostles and other preachers in the Church of Jerusalem. Their proof text for this is Acts 6.2. This text does not prove any such thing. There are many congregation there were many congregations in that day, as well as there are today, that have multiple ministers. In fact, I co-pastored for about fifteen years in a single congregation. Multiple ministers in a congregation is no proof of a hierarchical ecclesiastical government 
as believed by the, Pro by the Protestants. Our time is up for today. The Lord willing, we will continue with this topic in our next lesson. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.